How can we live for as long, as healthy, and as happy as we possibly can? Dr. Gladys McGarry is 102 years old. She's the mother of holistic medicine, and she's here to tell us her six secrets that are key to a long, well-lived life. Welcome to the Best You Podcast, where we help explore how to improve all six areas of life, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. My name is Nick Carrier, an entrepreneur, fitness trainer, and motivational speaker. I was going down the traditional path of working a nine to five until my mentor saw something in me, I quit my job, and started my own business. My mission is to help you gain clarity on how to become your best you. Dr. Gladys McGarry is a renowned medical pioneer who has dedicated her life to exploring the possibilities of medicine and educating people about living medicine. She's overcome cancer twice, has healed thousands upon thousands of patients, and much more. If you're curious about the keys to longevity and the keys to living your best life, then it's time to learn the six secrets to a well-lived life with the one and only Dr. Gladys McGarry. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Dr. Gladys McGarry. Gladys, I'm really excited to have you here today, and we're here to discuss a lot of the topics in your new book, The Well-Lived Life, A 102-Year-Old Doctor's Six Secrets to Health and Happiness at Every Age. But first, I'm just curious, and you know, I am 28 years old, and I get a lot of questions as to how I keep my energy high and how I stay motivated throughout the day. And I know that right now you're doing a ton of different interviews and you're super active at 102 years of age. And so I'm just curious, how do you keep up your energy and you keep your mind clear right now? Well, for me, it's always been having to something to live for. Mm. But it it's not just that. It's the fact that I I have seen and been part of so much in the way of suffering in our world and times when it seemed like the everything was going to be pulled right into the darkness and the the reality that there was always light there and that the the reaching for the light was so important and that that there are times when it seems so dark that you can't seem like you can do the reaching. It makes it more important to be reaching, at least mm. somebody to be reaching for the light. You know, I kind of see it like I've got a flashlight and I'm walking along this path and it's dark. So I can't see any farther than where my flashlight takes me. However, mm. while I'm going along that path, Sometimes there's a little flicker of light over here or maybe over there. And if I add my light to that light, both of our lights get enhanced. Mm. Mine gets brighter and theirs gets gets brighter. It's that kind of a of a importance for connection, for the reality that if I, I have to keep moving, life has to keep moving. If we don't move, uh, you know, so what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you feel like you you know that life, the journey of life is dark and it has its suffering and, and you've experienced the ability to see the light through that suffering and you want to be able to be, uh, be that light and show people the light yourself. 
Oh, yes, because I've had uh, in my life people that I call my living angels, people who have shown up at times when life seems so difficult. But that their very, very presence gave me the ability to keep on going. So mm-hmm. it's the we need each other. We we just aren't in this whole life process by ourselves. We may think we are a lot of times, but we're not. Mm-hmm. And if we're not, then we better be <laughs> helping the ones who are feel, feeling that way because that's what light looks for. That's what that's what we human beings really want to be and do and live for. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, you, you said right at the beginning, you, your answer was having something to live for is what allows you to keep energetic and having that purpose. And one of the, th- your first chapters, I think is called the juice. And you talk, I love that phrase, like finding what your juice is and finding what makes us come alive. Talk to ever talk to us a little bit about how we can find our juice and how we can find what makes us as an individual come alive? Well, the important thing is not to not to forget that you have to keep looking for it. Mm. If you don't look for it, you're not going to see it. You just you just won't see it. The sun will always be there and it'll always come up. But if you won't see that unless you believe it and and are looking for it it's a internal reach it's the internal reach that we all have that says i really really am looking for my true humanity who who i as a human really am and it's the everyday going towards that which has allowed me and the people that have helped me <laughs> and are really in the process of of helping all of humanity to come back to our true essence, our true juice, our true people who we really are. Mm-hmm. So when you say we have to, I love how you talked about you have to keep looking for it, like knowing that you have to keep looking for it, no matter what age you are, no matter how clear you feel like you are on it, it's always a constant process of looking for it and you won't see it unless you're looking for it. So like, what are the different ways that we look for it? Is it asking questions, doing different experiences? What are different ways that we actively go about looking for it? It's what makes you feel like that's what you're looking for mm-hmm. you know it's it's our individual process that we need to be come aware of because we have within us that which i can talk about but you know it's sort of like if a person is born blind and you try to explain to them what the color green is They've never experienced it. They don't know. Mm. So it's so important that if you have not really experienced love, then you don't really know what it is. 
you you really the inner part of you really is looking for that and so you just keep on mm. I, I remember uh, my parents were great teachers for me which is amazing uh, if we all had good teachers as parents or in the school or someplace where there was somebody who really well not just told us but lived the life that was that was so um important that you as a child or as an, an a young adult or whatever knew that that was important and you felt and and the love that you felt at that time was something that was so real you'll never forget it mm. it's there it's the story that i tell about gandhi in the, in the book yeah yeah so you feel like we have to experience love and and kind of continue to seek out more experiences of love and like giving and giving of love and I, I love how you talk about how how love transforms everything it touches i want you to talk a little bit about how you talk about in the book how if love is absent in certain things then it's kind of a negative thing but when love transforms and touches certain things then it then it transforms into a positive well let me tell you about, about my five l's I, I came across this concept years ago when I was trying to find some kind of structure that on which I could in which I could explain what it is that I was talking about because it it ain't easy you know right. <laughs> so uh, I came up with these five L's and it's, they have helped me and they've helped other people too. And that is the first L is life. Without life, you're not nothing matters anyway. But life by itself, you know, it, it just can't do anything. It's like the the seed in the pyramid. It's there, but it, it's been there for five thousand years, but it can't do anything until love activates it. And love is the inner essence that is the very activating aspect for these other the other else so love activates life and then that's the third so that's the second l the um third l is laughter laughter without love is cruel it's mean it's cold it break, takes families apart it, it causes wars. Laughter with love is happiness and joy. Hmm. The next one, the next L is labor. Labor without love is drudgery. Oh, I gotta go to work. I, I there's too many diapers. There's just too much, you know. And you just drag yourself to the next step and next step. But labor with love is bliss. It's what you're doing, what you're doing now. Without, a, you know, with drudgery, you would be dragging yourself through it. But with the, this, you, it's it's the bliss of the 
that's what I need. That's what I've got. That's what I'm after. So labor with love is bliss. And the fifth L is listening. Listening without love is empty sound. You just don't hear it. You can, you know, uh, I as a physician can talk to patients and it's up to them whether they hear it or not. I can present them with a concept, but it's the physician within them who takes it in and makes it real. So labor, I mean, listening with love is understanding. Mm. My eldest son he came through Phoenix here after he'd had his training uh, in orthopedic surgery. And he was going down to his to start a practice in, in Del Rio, Texas. And he said, um, Mom, I'm, I'm real scared. I'm going to go into the world. I'm going to have people's lives in my hands. I don't know if I can handle that. And I said to him, well, Carl, if you think you're the one that does the healing, you have a right to be scared. But it's your job to do, to do this amazing technique, technology that you've learned, which is orthopedics. If I've got something wrong with my body that needs to have an orthopedic surgeon, I want a good one working with me, not not somebody who's just learning or well, learning they can learn, but uh, you know, I, I want that that kind of work. However, after you have done your job, you turn the healing of it over to the person themselves who has within them the physician that really does the healing. It's that inner taking the, the reality of what is given to us into ourselves with enough understanding that it's the love that we ourselves have, not just for everybody else, but for ourselves too. Mm. We need to really understand that it's a pretty good thing to love yourself. I mean, that's a really good thing. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I probably want to dive into that here in just a second. I just want to go back and touch on um, one of the L's in particular, labor without love is drudgery and, and misery. I know for me in particular, sometimes if I'm a, I'm a fitness trainer and I coach people to their health and fitness goals, and I know that if I am kind of just too focused on the business side of things and getting clients and, and kind of the business side of things, then it becomes it becomes that misery. But when I focus on why I'm doing what I'm doing and I focus on how much I love what I'm doing and how much I love the people that I am working with on a regular basis, it completely changes the way that I go about my day and I go about my work. And when I'm looking at you, the first part, you're yeah, looking like a boom. But that, <laughs> when you start talking about the understanding, the, understanding that you have about the people that you're working with, you light up. You really mm-hmm. light up. Yeah, no no doubt. Well, I appreciate that. Um, talk to us about what loving yourself, what do you feel like that actually means? I feel like the words, the phrase self-love is 
very popular now, but I feel like people interpret it and and live it out in different manners. What do you feel like, what does self-love mean to you? Well, it's what makes you happy. It, if, if you're, if you really watch it, watch yourself, you know, pay attention to yourself and realize that there's certain things that really are uh, difficult for you to work through, but how you work through them and really begin to pay attention to your own feelings and pay attention to your dreams and pay attention to what it was when you were alone type that you wanted to do. I I told my parents when I was two that I was going to be a doctor, and I've got four little great-grandchildren who are saying the same thing, that I was a doctor. Not that I was going to be a doctor. I was a doctor. The problem was my dolls got sick, and my sister wouldn't let me play with my dolls because... If I did, her dolls got sick, and then they had to get, you know, it was that kind of of knowing, and my parents encouraged it. Mm. See, so it's the, I recognized it when I was two. My parents recognized it and, and supported me in that. And, you know, here I am. It's that kind of a, of a, chain of life-giving energy that I call the juice. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like self-love to you is about trying to come to a place of understanding and of knowing what your juice is and make sure that you continue to fill it up and continue to do the things that light you up and continue to do the things that make you feel happy and, and make you feel alive. We're going to take a brief pause in this episode to tell you about our brand new, never seen before, best in class virtual 10-week transformation experience. You can check it out today by going to nickcarrier.com. Now look, if you're somebody who needs accountability to execute on a consistent basis with eating healthy and exercise, this virtual 10WT experience is for you. If you're somebody who is upset with themselves when they look at themselves in the mirror, not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally, then the 10-week transformation is for you. If you're somebody who kind of knows what to do, but you struggle to actually do it, the 10-week transformation is for you. If you're somebody who loves community and loves support and loves being held accountable, the 10-week transformation is for you. With the 10WT, we teach people how to form the healthy habits that will transform their body and their life. And now we have a brand new robust version of the program that can be completed from your home, your gym, or your anywhere. I mean, whether you live in Nashville or San Francisco, Atlanta or New York City, Houston or Denver, LA or Chicago, Sydney, Australia, or Toronto, Canada. You can even complete this thing in your hotel room. Our brand new virtual 10WT experience is like nothing you've ever seen before. We've had 453 people and counting who have skyrocketed their self-confidence by losing fat, building muscle, and building habits that they now have ingrained in their lifestyles by completing the 10WT, and it can do the same for you. Starting August 7th, we're going to be coaching a group of 30 go-getters through their first ever 10WT experience, and you have the opportunity to be one of the first. But there are limited spots available. Like I said, there are 30 spots, and they're going to go fast. So sign up by Tuesday, August 1st, 
to secure your spot by going to nickcarrier.com. Again, by August 1st, go to nickcarrier.com. Again, if you need a greater level of accountability, the 10WT is for you. If you need help staying consistent with your workouts and eating habits, the 10WT is for you. If you want to form healthy habits going into holiday season, the 10WT is for you. Remember, sign up by August 1st to secure your spot. There are only 30 available by going to nickcarrier.com. When you join, I promise you, be prepared to show the world the healthiest, most confident, and best version of you. Go to nickcarrier.com to sign up today. I'm really curious. I know that you're a doctor and you believe in medicine and stuff like that. However, I know that there are so many cases and examples of people who are healed without necessarily too much of a biological explanation. There wasn't necessarily a particular medicine or anything that people took. So I'm just curious as to where your belief stands as to like how much can our mind, our thoughts, and our beliefs actually affect our biology? They're essential. It's the understanding in the the five L's. We need to understand that we don't just get over problems. You know, you you see yourself going, oh, well, I'll just get over that. No, there's some problems you just don't get over. You have to live through them. And if you live through them, then you understand at that depth level what it is that is necessary. See, I, I didn't understand this until I was 93, okay? I I talked about uh, working, and I was working as a physician. I was loving people. I was doing all of this, but uh, I didn't trust my own love uh, or my own lo- uh, voice because when I was when I started school, I became I well. I didn't know I was dyslexic until I started school, and then for two years. I was the class dummy and and the stupid one and all of that. And was so basically my my image of myself was so damaged mm. that I would um I'd write an article that I thought was worth talking about or whatever it was that I was doing, but I would not I, I would have to ask my husband Bill to to go over it or ask somebody to look at it. I always was wanting someone else to recheck it to make sure I was saying the right thing or something like that. It was, it was okay, I, I, I know this is right, but is it really right? You know, mm-hmm. so that self-doubt would creep in. Well, but in the meantime, uh, at, at 93, I had this dream that really let me know what what I was talking about. And that my voice was important and I needed to pay attention to it and let people know that it was important too. Because until then, you know, the whole uh, statement, pride cometh before a fall and all that kind of stuff is Mm -hmm. true. But it wasn't that pride that I was looking for. It was that inner voice. So the dream was that I woke up one day and I was woke up singing and laughing. And 
so, uh, but I wasn't co completely out of the dream. So I was kind of in it and out of it. And so in the, as I was watching what the dream was doing, I saw myself as nine-year-old Gladys in the jungles of North India, looking out of the Ted flap because we were living in tents. My parents took their medical work to the villages of North India. And one of the things that I really didn't like about how the, the rules of the family was that on Sunday mornings, we weren't allowed to sing hymns. We were only allowed to sing hymns or bhajans because everything else was, wasn't allowed on Sunday mornings. And I, as a nine-year-old person, thought that was stupid. And, I, and anyway, but I was going to try it anyway. And but I couldn't let somebody see me and then get tattled on, because then I'd be in trouble. So I'm going through this whole process in in the as I'm walking out of the dream. But so nobody was there. I was safe. So I ran as fast as I could up the mango, up to the mango tree and climbed clear to the top. And I'm sitting up at the top of the mango tree and boy, am I singing. I'm singing everything that I could think of, caterpillar song or any old thing. And, but every so often I think, uh, but really, you know, and I would look over my right shoulder and up in the tree with me was Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus is sitting up in the tree with me. And I look over to him and I say, Jesus loves the little children, right? And he's laughing. He says, yes. So I go back to my singing. And then I get to thinking, did he really say yes? <laughs> and so I, I go back to my asking him. I say, well, I'm still a little children, right? And he says, yes. And so, and he's really laughing now. And so that's the point at which I woke up from the dream. Mm. It was that reality that, no, Gladys, your voice is important. So use it and depend on it. Because mm. the things that you're saying that you in your heart know are true, are true. So it's that that kind of of a, of a reality that that from from then on, and really this book is a result of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. What a dream. What a dream. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I, I do want to ask a couple of questions. We have a audience who is very health conscious, very health and fitness focused and conscious. And so what are a couple, what are maybe two of the two or three of the most important habits that you did that you've done from an exercise standpoint and from a nutrition standpoint? And that it might not be right now, but just like, what do you, what are some of the most important habits that you give credit to for your longevity when it comes to eating and, and movement? Well, I try not to eat stuff that is, makes me feel bad. You know, yeah. I, I think everybody, I have a son who can't eat garlic. So, I mean, you don't want to be around him if he's eating garlic. Mm. 
you know, but the rest of us love garlic. So it's that kind of understanding what it is within you that is good for you and not good for you. So find what works for you. And then when, if something gives you heartburn or if, if you even begin to think about this is not good for me, don't eat it. Because if you're sitting there and saying to yourself, this is bad for me, what does your body think it is? Mm. <laughs> your body thinks it's bad for it. If you eat it because you have read about it, it makes you feel good. It's something that is fresh and new and green and uh, as healthy as you can do it. Do that. Don't eat stuff that you think is is uh, going to give you problems. Mm. Find out what it is that you can do for yourself. Okay, that's important. And as far as exercise is concerned, at this point, I can't see very well. So if I was just walking around without help, I'd be stuck, and I still can. I stumble and fall. It's I I walk uh, three thousand steps a day wow. with my walker. Okay, it's you find what it is that you can do. And uh, when I was a kid, I I remember when my sister and I were in our nineties. One day she said to me, you know. When when you were little, I really was jealous of you because you could hang by your knees and I couldn't. Well, I thought, you know, as we thought about that, I said to her, well, I think I, I need another dimension on life. But anyway, <laughs> you know, keeping my body moving has been absolutely essential to me. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've found it. It helps me when I walk. It helps me when I move my arms and legs and my head. And you know, it's it. Life has to move. If you stop moving, you get stuck. You really get stuck if you stop moving. But your body has to move too. But it isn't just your body; it's your mind. But it isn't just your mind. We are triune beings. We are body, mind, and spirit. That's why we started American. Holistic Medical Association is because we are the people who are here on this earth with the only beings on this earth that have free will and choice. And what a privilege, you know, what a privilege for us to be able to be the ones that live living people, the living beings on this earth who have free will and choice. No one, nothing else does. Mm. Mm. That's great. That's great. Uh, I kind of want to, the last thing I want to touch on here is one of the things I loved about one of the topics from your book is talking about relationships and the importance of relationships and the importance of a, a strong network. You, you say that each of us is responsible for creating a supportive network for ourselves. And you say the quality of our relationships at age 50 
is the greatest predictor of our health and well-being at age 80. And so talk to us about some of the things that you did throughout your life that helped to give you that good, supportive network of individuals that were around you that allowed you to have great relationships and such? Well, I was fortunate enough to be able to climb the high Himalayas. You know, I mean, that, that's, I really, we lived at uh, 7,500 feet and school was 1,000 feet down, you know. So I, I, as a child, there was a lot of running and climbing and doing and, and climbing trees and all of that sort of thing. But for me, as an adult, it's been really important to be out and around, to get out with the trees and, and, and be in the garden. And for me, it's been so, such a joy and privilege to watch what it is that lives around us and we can live with. Mm. It's just, it's, it's huge. To have a community that you can uh, work with, it's been sad for me to watch the walls go up. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and um, the homes around here now have have walls around them. I mean, high walls. Well, that, that's very nice, and it, it allows us to have our own garden and our own thing where we have it but it in some respects has shut us off from our neighbors the beautiful thing is that covid (laughs) made us begin to think about we didn't like being by ourselves you know and now what's happening people are beginning in this this neighborhood we have a neighbor who has uh put out a, a library on a little like in a mailbox and so we can now trade books with that library little things like that can become very very important when you're reaching to the one the beings that are living around you and are part of your actual uh environment you know (laughs) they're important in that environment so we begin to reach out then and and find them yeah i love it i love it being being part of your community around you and can take shape in so many different shapes and forms and so many different groups of people and it's just so important the lasting relationships are so important to overall uh, physical health, mental health, and everything like that. Uh, well, last before I ask the last question here, Gladys, I just want to acknowledge you, and I really believe that, and you that that dream that you had when you were ninety three years old was such a catalyst to all the work that you've been doing over the last nine years with your with your book, the Well Lived Life, and and you've had such a strong voice that others have listened to in the years previous to that, and the decades previous to that. But even more so over, I know the last seven, eight, nine years, like people are really even listening, I feel like probably even to a greater degree. And I'm sure that you're just overwhelmed by 
the people and their ability to to listen to you and their ability to really take in your words and your thoughts and work on applying it. And so I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you've done um, in the decades leading up to when you were 93 and in this decade up until now. Uh, so you guys need to make sure, of course, of course, you guys need to make sure you go get this book, The Well-Lived Life, a 102-year-old doctor's six secrets to health and happiness at every age. We'll have it linked up in the show notes and everything. And you need to make sure you follow her on Instagram as well at BeGladMD. Uh, and then Gladys, this last question is, I think that getting closer to the best version of ourselves is a constant journey. I don't think that we ever actually become that best version. I know you're 102 and you have plans for your future. Uh, and so this question is if there are three, what are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to the best version of Gladys McGarry that you could possibly be? Okay, well, I try to get enough sleep. I trust my dreams. I really do get enough water here in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a biggie. But I, I really know the food that, that makes me feel like that was the right thing to eat. Mm. In other words, I'm aware of the food that is good for me. That doesn't mean that it's good for everybody, but that's that it's the reality that I have food that, that I can eat that makes me feel like now that was a good meal. Mm. Mm. That's great. That's awesome. Well, those were great. Those were great. Gladys, it's been an absolute blessing and honor to uh, to have you on the show today. I know so many people are inspired by you and all your, your teachings and your experiences, and I know they're going to continue to be inspired by you when they go and grab your book and, and give it a good read because it is a, it's a gem for sure. But that's all we got today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What an awesome episode with Gladys. Make sure you go follow her on Instagram at BeGladMD. And if you'd like to try out the one-week free trial of the virtual 10-week transformation, then go to nickcarrier.com slash free trial. And remember that in order to have great energy, you need to find your juice. You need to find your purpose and find love and never stop searching for more of it. Remember that love transforms everything it touches. Labor without love is misery. Labor with love is bliss. Listening without love is empty sound. Listening with love is understanding. Continue to find your juice, to search for and be a source of love. Eat things that you know nourish your body and you'll continue on the path closer to your best you.